Hello and welcome to the first annual final third end of season awards where we're going to cover our favorites and least favorites players, managers, and teams. You're going to want to stick around for it, especially the end where we give our player and manager of the year awards. Before we get to any of that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Final Third Show, also on Instagram at Final Third Show, and let a friend or two know that you enjoy the show, as well as leave a rating on wherever you listen to the podcast on. And with that, let's get to the award ceremony. I don't know why I said it like that. Just let's get to the show. Hello and welcome back to the final third deep dive edition. My name is AJ Tabura. I'm everyone's favorite Minnesota United, West Ham United, and U.S. national team fan. I'm joined by Jack. Jack, how are you? I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I, I finally finished one of my jobs that I was working at the a school district earlier this month. So I finished one of my jobs, which is fantastic. Now I can move on to other ones. But as always, uh, I'm a Chelsea fan. Atalanta fan, Minnesota United fan, French national team fan, and Slovakia national team fan. Didn't stumble this time, and it's probably because I finally fixed my audio recording. I was going to say, I was like, oh, Jack, I can actually hear you clearly now. It's crazy. Tell us about it. Well, uh, I went with the cheapest option possible. I bought a little USB adapter for a a nice headset that I I had, or, or rather my dad had, and never used. So now it's here, and... It's working like a charm so far, it seems. Yay, yay. So not only is Jack improving his audio quality, I also have, even if it is just slight, because uh, I moved back from college this past weekend, and for the past uh, maybe two weeks, I was in the basement, because that's where the Wi-Fi was the best. I finally got the Wi-Fi fixed in my room, so I'm in my room where there's a bed, so it soaks up the sound instead of just four bare walls just bouncing off sound and creating huge echo so if that's the reason why the final third is sounding i think 80 percent better between like the two of our improvements yeah (laughs) yeah honestly 80 percent because i was editing some of the podcasts and i was like i cannot wait till we are both in better uh audio situations and here we are so a big round of applause for us yay yes uh so before we get started with today's show as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show. Uh, give a rating, whatever. You know the deal. You know the deal. We're talking about the end of season and everything that happened throughout the season for the big five European leagues. I just want your opinion. What did you think of this season compared to last season and compared to the other seasons of soccer you've watched? Oh, well, see, here's the thing. This is only my third season watching soccer in general so i don't have many to compare it to but it's probably been the most exciting uh just because except for maybe the 1819 season because i got to see chelsea win a europa league which was pretty cool but uh you know this is probably overall the most exciting because it's the most exciting over every single league rather than just in one facet like every single title race seemed exciting everything ex- except maybe the bundesliga that one wasn't as exciting yeah. but you know everything was exciting there were new players coming in that were uh you know some were overhyped some were underhyped and uh you know everything seemed to go down to the wire it was fantastic yeah it, it was it was pretty fantastic i'm, I'm trying to now think about yeah you because know, you mentioned you know you've only been watching for three since i'm trying to think about 
through seasons I've watched, I think I'll have to agree. This is one of my favorite, most exciting seasons overall. And I think that's in large part due to just how wacky and weird the season was. It, it led to a lot of unpredictability, I'd suppose. I just wish there were fans, because if there were fans yeah, for true. some of the moments that we're going to talk about in this episode, it would make it even, even better. But with that, let's talk about uh, the season as a whole now, because we have concluded at least the, the leagues. We still have the champions and Europa League to play. But let's talk about the final third end of season awards. I, we don't have a name for this. Is there any like uh, the final 30s? That sounds terrible. And also, <laughs> we, AJ and I have talked about this before. We picked the worst name to pun off of. You cannot pun the final third. If you have a pun involving the final third, please send it to us. We need it. We need them bad. So help, help us out if you can. Help us. Because I'm thinking like the finalies. Let's, let's stick with the final third end of season awards. Yeah, it's wordy, but it, but it gets the point across and it doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> the final 30s. All right, whatever. So we're starting off. We have 10 awards uh, each one, I think, is, you know, increasing in importance. Our final award is the player of the season. And also we have the manager of the season right before that. So stay tuned till the end of the episode to hear who we think is the player of the season throughout the entire of the five European leagues. But we're starting off with number one of 10 with most underrated player of the year. Uh, Jack, what do you think makes an underrated player underrated and who specifically did you nominate slash pick? Ooh, well, I, an underrated player, it's tough sometimes, but I think the biggest defining characteristic is that they're, they're given a lot of stick by you know, their own fans and other fans alike, but whenever they come up to the plate, they always seem to deliver and they always seem to do, they, they seem to do something good and, they, and they're silently brilliant or just like, they are brilliant and just no one seems to notice. They're, they're the unsung heroes at times. Mm -hmm. And who did but, you pick? Uh, I, I, I had a few. I had a, a pretty long list of, of players that I nominated at first, but I narrowed it down uh, after, afterwards. So some, some picks that I had were Olivier Giroud, because I think he is very underrated at mm -hmm. all points in time. Uh, I had Robert Sanchez from Brighton because he kept them in a lot of games, made important saves, and really helped them stay up, honestly. Uh, I had Marco Verratti from PSG. He, he's been solid in the midfield, controls it, but maybe a bit more rated than some of these others. I also had Mats Hummels, who despite being 36 this season, I believe, yeah, uh, is still kicking on, still doing fantastic stuff for Dortmund, held down their back line pretty well, made Manuel Akanji look good, which is difficult to do at times. And then I also had Timo Werner from Chelsea. Hmm. And okay. OK, you can call me biased on this, but I will call what, you biased. You will. I know. But the one I went for was actually Timo Werner. No way. Dude. I did. And there's a there's a few reasons why. Timo six goals Werner. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll hear you out. I'll hear you Here, out. Here's the thing: six goals in the Premier League. Yes, eight assists in the league as well. And he's uh, and overall he has contributed to twenty three goals this season, plus 
getting goals in the ch- important goals in the Champions League, you know, winning penalties. He won the winning penalty that got us a win over Tottenham. Uh, he, he's been fantastic and silently so because so many people only focus on, you know, he's made a, a lot of misses. I'll admit it. He has missed a lot of open goals, but every time he's off the field, it's so noticeable that Chelsea are not as dangerous anymore. Mm-hmm. They they just aren't because they miss his runs. He might be offside a lot of the times, but his runs <laughs> carve apart defenses and and really gives another option. It makes Chelsea, he makes Chelsea's attack more dynamic and he is Chelsea's top goal scorer in all competitions and uh, the first Chelsea player since Didier Drogba to hit both 10 assists and goals in all competitions uh it just uh, and that was in the champions league winning season in 2012 uh 2011 to 12 so some parallels so just just keep an eye out timo werner is going to score the winning penalty in a penalty shootout for the champions league trophy i, I can feel it but All right. yeah that's what i picked for most underrated you're definitely going to jinx that uh, oh i know i 100 timo werner is now going to miss knock the winning penalty knock on wood i just knocked on my desk it's made out of wood that's good enough all right all right <laughs> Timo Werner, well, uh, unfortunately, I think you're going to get disappointed by uh, the winner of, a, of another award that's coming <laughs> up here soon. Oh, no. Uh, but my most underrated players of the year, I had, I had three nominees. I had three nominees in most of these categories. Uh, I had Kaylor Navas, who was a bright spot on a team who didn't have many of those for PSG. Uh, Trippier for Atletico Madrid, who, you know, Atletico Madrid are known to be very, very well-defined defensively, and he was a large part of that, uh, helping Jan Oblak really anchor in that defense for their the title-winning team. And also, Lautaro Martinez from Inter Milan. He was a great forward, not named Lukaku, so he didn't get, I think, the praise that he deserves. He's still a really young Argentinian, and he added a lot of dynamic attack to this Inter Milan team. I eventually chose the winner of this category for me, which is Kaylor Navas. I think I've been on the Kaylor Navas' still under hype train for the past three seasons, because even though he gets some praise, I think that he is, for my money, the best goalkeeper in the entirety of the footballing world. Because And, and the stats uh, speak for themselves. He's in the top 6% of goalkeepers in terms of expected goals minus expected goals against. So... He's always, always ahead of the curve in terms of goals against. In addition to that, he's in the top 7% of goalkeepers in terms of goals against per 90. So uh, game by game, he is on average in the top 7% of players, uh, goalkeepers not conceding. That's insane. And get this, the most impressive stat of all, the top 1%, top 1% of save percentage per 90 it was something like like 80 percent is a save percentage throughout the entirety of psg season he's the reason why psg didn't bow out earlier in liga and the champions league uh psg did not have the strongest midfield they didn't have the strongest seasons in general and yet he was for my money one of the better parts of that psg team Uh, jack do you have any objections or are you on the navas hype train as I am. I'm not sure if I'm on the Navas hype train, but I don't have any objections to it. I mean, he is he is somewhat of an underrated goalkeeper, especially like, you know, Allison, Ederson, uh, Oblak, 
Ter Stegen, Neuer get the praise, but he gets left behind a lot in all of that. But he deserves to be talked about with all of them. So I think you're right in calling him a very underrated player. All right. Well, let's go to maybe some underrated title races because our next uh, award that we are giving out is most exciting title race of the year. There are a lot of to choose from, from not just the top five leagues, but the other leagues around Europe. Jack, who are you picking for your most exciting title races of the year? Well, for me, this this came down to I I have some honorable mentions first, and then I'll get to my one. I put uh, the Premier League actually up there for one reason, and it's because throughout the season, there were nine, I believe, different leaders of mm-hmm. the league table, which is incredible because usually like last season, we had Liverpool go to the top and they just stayed there the rest of the time. So it was a big change, but I feel like there's some more excitement other elsewhere. La Liga deserves a shout because, you know, there there was some title excitement, but ultimately I went to league on. I, it, it had to be for me. Uh, it went down to the wire. It was decided by one point. Mm-hmm. And truly, like throughout this entire thing, you, you never really could predict, like, were Lille going to be able to do it? Because uh, it, it, they had some slip ups at the end. PSG kept on rolling. And, you know, it, it was just fascinating to watch it throughout the entire thing because, uh, you know, you see PSG who started the season horribly, horribly. And looked like, and they were in the relegation zone at the beginning, in dead last. And all of a sudden, they just make this massive run up towards the top where they pro- really belong. But let's be honest. And you know, you had challengers in Lille, Lyon, Monaco. Uh, so, some some French powerhouses fell behind a little bit, like Marseille, for example. But it, it was ultimately a very exciting title race between four very worthy teams in that league. Yeah, and. Uh, full disclosure, I also picked Liga. Yeah, my other Liga <laughs> train. Yeah, exactly. My other uh, nominations were La Liga as well because of Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid just really duking it out in mm-hmm. Barcelona being there, but also playing their way out <laughs> of winning. It was kind of embarrassing from them. I also chose the Scottish Premiership, not because it was necessarily exciting because Rangers did end up running away with it. But Rangers beat Celtics nine year winning streak and got an invincible season out of it. So, you know, watching that happen, I think was pretty interesting. But I ultimately chose Liga for this award. It came down. I literally wrote this down. Same as you down to the literal wire. The top four was a sprint because they were on a different stratosphere compared to the rest of the division. And the big games between Lyon, Monaco, PSG and Lille were either nail biters or just really, really exciting to dissect and watch. But it it got me thinking. And as you were talking, it also got me thinking, do you happen to remember what we said for our league of predictions, like our mid season league of predictions? Oh, I do remember because you said that PSG were going to come back and take the title. And I said that Leo were going to pull through for it because I I I accused you of not of not uh, being on the Timothy way a hype train. And you were like, nah, PSG are too good. You should have believed in should have believed. Man, man, (laughs) just by one point, I was wrong by one point. Yeah, that's disappointing. But hey, congratulations to you and congratulations to Liga, I guess. Uh, <laughs> being the most exciting also being the only uh league to uh like and retweet me on twitter thank you league on <laughs> yeah that's that's insane so for that i think yeah it it, it makes sense that liga is our 
unanimous most exciting title race of the year congratulations uh your trophy will be in the mail (laughs) let's go from something exciting to something very disappointing and that is our third award most disappointing team uh I'll, i'll begin i have three nominations i have barcelona juventus and tottenham hotspur and if anyone has ever heard me talk they already know who i'm gonna choose and that's tottenham hotspur despite having two of the best attackers in the prem everything else seems to be subpar the coaching was a failure they got rid of more rid of Mourinho halfway through the year the transfers overall were a failure and on the field action were was a failure the only real bright spots that i saw on the team were uh, kane son and i guess bale sometimes like there'd be sometimes where he'd be really good like this past weekend and some games where he'd kind of disappear or just be a bench warmer for stretches of months but then eric dyer deli ali Loris ndombele eric lamella sissoko it, most of the other members of the squad were either bad to meh and now they finished what seventh they get seventh, conference yeah. league yay Woo. and now kane is leaving yay it's just it just seems like a bad year to be a Spurs fan. downhill. Yeah, literally. And it, it's just, I, I don't know about you, Jack, but I definitely had them at least in the top six, I think, for my predictions. I did too. I, I, think, I, I think I had them finishing fifth, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And to, and to see them down here, like I, I, I couldn't have predicted how much it would unravel from getting knocked out of the FA Cup early to losing in heartbreak in the EFL Cup final, like failing to get another trophy after another failed season is just is just terrible. I think that makes them the most disappointing team. Uh, Jack, who was your most disappointing team of the European season? Well, I actually went a very similar route. I had four teams that I ultimately decided between. Okay. I had Barcelona and Juventus. Uh, okay. But I also went for a North London team, but I went for Arsenal. That's very 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 fair and i also said marseille okay okay and because you know i marseille marseille just had a terrible season but i didn't end up going for them because there was a ton of behind the scenes stuff that went along with their season being so poor but ultimately what i went for i went for arsenal because barcelona and juventus they both won trophies at least that's fair they can at least say that Arsenal has nothing to speak of except for the community shield. So they they have that, I guess. But Arsenal just I I think most people at the beginning of the season predicted them to with the signings they made finish around fifth, getting at least like Europa League or something like that. But no, they finished in eighth, getting no European competition for the first time since the 1990s. 30 years. That is horrific. And just the way they were knocked out of these competitions as well, just terrible. Out of the e, uh, is yeah, out of the EFL Cup by Manchester City, just absolutely obliterated when they when they uh when they just had a different goalkeeper in net against Manchester City's B or even C side at, with some of the players they picked, and then you had you know getting knocked out of the Europa League, not e- barely even putting a shot on target in the second leg against Villarreal, and getting a red card in the first leg. And just their only goal, their only shot on target in the first leg was a penalty. That's awful. They just, this team just lacked the will at some points. 
they finished fine. They did great. Like they at the end of the season, they won five in a row at the end. It didn't matter, though, because the mm-hmm, entire exactly. rest of the season, they played like garbage. And I'm sorry, <laughs> Arsenal fans, but it's it's true. With all the signings they made, Gabriel from Lille, Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid, and, you know, re-signing Obama yeah, into a contract. None of it clicked. Absolutely none of it none clicked. Of it. And it it was just awful. Like, I... I I'm sorry, but that that's just the best way to describe it. And you know, you can you can call AJ and I biased for picking rival London teams. <laughs> yeah. At, at at the same time, neither of these sides. I I've seen a bunch of Spurs and Arsenal fa- fans kind of like arguing, like, "Oh, we made it further in the Europa League," or like, "Oh, we finished above you by a point." You both did awful. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just say that and, if you're competing over this, that's not good. And I can say that because West Ham finally finished above both of them. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. West Ham I, is officially a bigger team than Arsenal and, and Spurs. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I actually took the liberty to look up some more of their transfers. They signed Martin Odegaard on a loan. Right, yeah. They brought in Matthew Ryan. They brought in Willian. Like, like, and, and, and none of these signings r- really helped. That The most exciting parts of their team were A the youngsters and B towards the end of the season, the player that they sent out on loan to Newcastle, Joe Willick, like Smith Rowe yeah, and Saka. Like are, that's the reason why Arsenal fans didn't cry themselves this sleep. And maybe they, they still did. And yet, despite that excitement, they get eighth. they get literally zero Europe, not even the lowly conference conference league that Tottenham get. That's just tough. That's just tough. But now let's move on to something more happier because uh, that kind of bumped me out to talk about the, the, the worst side of London, the north side. Let's talk about the most impressive team of the year. Uh, Jack, start us off. Who impressed you the most? Well, I, I, I had a lot of teams like okay. in, in a short list. I had Leeds. I had West Ham, by the way. Hey. I had Atletico, Lille, Manchester City, Inter Milan, Monaco, and Wolfsburg. And... Ultimately, I, I went between two of these, and both of them won championships this season. I went between Inter Milan and Manchester City, and I have so many arrows drawn on my sheet of paper that I had here because of how often I went through these two. But ultimately, I feel, I feel like I had to go with Manchester City okay. on this. And the reason why, Inter Milan, they did great winning the title this season. But they also were only one point behind uh, Juventus last season. But this this season, Manchester City turned like a 22 point deficit against Liverpool into absolutely running away with the league. I, I mean, not to the same extent Liverpool did, maybe, but still just obliterating the competition. They had a terrible start, but they turned it around, went on a 25 game winning streak or something crazy. And, you know, they, they just seemed to always have a good plan, no matter what side they played. If, if, if it was their A side, B side or even C side at some points in time. They always impressed and always found ways to win games. It, it, they, they are a complete team, and they impressed at every single stretch. Like, uh, the, there, there were a few low points of their season. It's impossible to mm-hmm. not have a low point in a season, to be fair. So, and they're in a Champions League final as, as well for the, first, for the first time, like, whatever, I think, right? I think it's, it's their first final. I could be wrong, but... and. I also almost forgot, even when their star player, Kevin De Bruyne, was out for a prolonged period of time, yeah. other players stepped up. Ilkay, Ilkay Gundogan, 30 years old, 
stepped up and somehow became the best attacking midfielder in the league. Became better while. than Messi for like a month, like like legitimately, I, know, I think. He, legitimately he was scoring more often than him and assisting more often and you know it, it it's just incredible what he what he did really and uh yeah i mean it, it's it had to be manchester city for me after just considering everything all right well i i do agree manchester city had a good season i think we went very different routes on, on i think this. so I, I have a feeling we did <laughs> which which i think is go- cool because i think it it all depends on how you define impressive, right? And I, th- I think we should have talked about that beforehand, but I kind of like yeah, it probably. because you could look at impressive as in like, oh, how much did they achieve? And the way that I took impressive to mean was how much did they achieve given the expectations? And okay, so yeah. and so my most impressive team, I, I, I have three uh, in my short list. I had Wolfsburg, you know, their defensive powerhouses, 36 goals against, second best in the Bundesliga. Couldn't really like... Uh, predict that I don't think I had Atalanta as well in Syria okay. I mean I, I think they had a really good season given you know their overall underdog status their budget but the team I chose and you can call me biased all you want oh it's West Ham United oh, of course it is of course the biggest London team other than Chelsea whatever in the entire Premier League right they were relegation candidates last year I, I think we only got safe uh the second to last game and a lot of people tipped them to get relegated. I think, Jack, if I remember your predictions correctly, you had them just on the cusp of getting relegated, like 17th. I think I had them 17th. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up while you're, while you're going through your yours. But yeah, yeah. I, I said 13th, and many people had them in the lower mid-table to relegation candidates. And yet, we finished 6th place, and a good majority of that, of the season was in fourth or fifth place so you know going from fourth to sixth unfortunately you know injuries got caught the best of us but still sixth place and jack do you, do, did you find yeah i had 17th you, okay. you got it just i even said they're probably going to get relegated anyway though yeah and, and it makes sense that someone would say that we had no big money moves our only transfers that weren't loans were ben rama sufal and dawson and I think any football fan will be like, who for literally all three of those, we had a very shallow squad. Uh, and that's the reason why we, we fell out of the champions league spots. And yet we still managed to be pretty consistent for throughout the entire season. And for that, uh, that much of a rise above expectations, I think gives West Ham United, my beloved team, my award for most impressive team, which kind of, now I'm saying out loud, it kind of sounds like nepotism because I'm just giving an award to my <laughs> team, but you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to our fifth award in the halfway mark, uh, goal of the season. So a lot of the other ones are kind of big picture. How did this team do? How did this player do? Now we're looking at one specific moment that was just jaw dropping, very cool, a very nice goal, perhaps. Uh, I'll start out with this one. I had three. And two of them are very biased, but I ended up not choosing the biased ones. I had Lanzini, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, he scored the goal to tie West Ham with Tottenham 3-3 after being down 3-0 going into the 80th minute. Like, t- to see that happen. And not only that, it was, it was from outside the box. It was a, a super strong shot. And it was just the most aesthetically pleasing goal in a very... A very high stakes game between rivals. I also had McKenney versus Barcelona. This is a Champions League goal. He had the scissor kick uh, 
against Barcelona for Juventus. And that was that was this, the first real big West McKenney slash U.S. men's national team goal that really cemented that the fact that, oh, shoot, we're we're in this like the U.S. men's national team is being represented and is performing at the highest levels. And to see like such a crazy scissor kick and see like that technique was really impressive. I ultimately went for maybe some recency bias here, but I've chose Allison versus West Brom. Okay, okay. And I I said this because not only is it kind of a cool goal for two reasons. A, it was just a nice header goal. But B, obviously, it's a literal last minute goalkeeper goal. He came out in order to try to get the the three points for Liverpool because it was tied 1-1. And the fact that he scored is even more elevated by the fact that he had to score to keep Liverpool in the Champions League race. And if it literally wasn't for that goal that he scored, they wouldn't be in the Champions League spots. Because if I believe correctly, yeah, Leicester would be uh, in and Liverpool would probably be out. Right. There is no more impactful time to score than that. And uh, to see his interview afterwards where he's talking about his, uh, I believe, his, his late father, uh, it, that made it even more emotionally impactful for me. So that's why I chose it. Uh, Jack, who, or I should s- say, which goal did you pick for goal of the season? Oh, there, there's so many. But uh, first, I, I, I had to give, because I mentioned this uh, on our Monday episode, I had to give a special nod to League Two, uh, Tom Kane, oh, yes, Newport exactly. County, the longest goal in history against Cheltenham. It was it was beautiful. I I I stood up and cheered when I saw that. That was fantastic. Is, is but, that the the old goalkeeper? Yeah that that's that that that's right. the guy that that we kept tweeting about and uh, it, uh when they were playing in the FA Cup against Brighton wow, because he's so wow. good. Uh, but that that was one of them. I I also had quite a bit of recency bias because three of them are from like the last four game weeks in the Premier League that I that I thought of Cavani versus Fulham mm-hmm. that the almost like halfway yard chip over uh, Alphonse Areola Leandro Trossard versus City where he sat down almost the entire City back line sat down Ruben Diaz three times in a row and then slotted it past everyone uh, and I had uh, Ferran Torres versus Newcastle where he uh, jumps over the wall and gives it a little back heel flick over. And I, I also had, uh, I, I, I didn't choose this one because it's in the Champions League, uh, but Giroud versus Atletico, I had uh-huh, to. It, right. That was fantastic. But ultimately, the one that I went for just had to be Ferran Torres versus Newcastle. It was so good. A perfectly floated in free kick. He, get, he gets up over his defender, just flicks it with, his bat, with the back of his heel, and slots it past Martin Dubrovka. Mm-hmm. It was just fantastic and it also if i'm remembering correctly was the goal that completed his hat trick at like which is which was great as well and it it was just it, you can say recency bias whatever it was so good it it was just perfect it it was perfect that that's how i'll describe it is that the closest to the perfect goal for you like what is the perfect goal to you i i think that that's got to be it like doing some kind of skill move uh, for the only thing that would make it more impressive is if it was from like 
you know, uh, it, it like uh, the Drew Scorpion kick. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's like the first that's, thing that came into my that's mind. That's like the perfect goal. If it's from an open situation, this was from a, a set piece play. So it's a little a little less there. But if it's from open play, that that's what makes it like the ideal goal, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me, free kick goals are are free the, kick the, goals the, are the thing that, that really get me excited. That's why I, I tend to like players who are known to score free kicks. Oh, so you love Mason Mount. Okay, I see. Okay, well, don't <laughs> put words in my mouth. I Everyone except him. How about that? How about that? Oh, dang. Well, I, I was thinking more of Dimitri like Payet, not this lowly Mason Mount guy you're talking wow, about. Wow, wow. Okay. Well, speaking of Mason Mount, let's talk about flops of the year. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. You really did him like that. Yeah, I'm oh. kidding. Well, first of all, he's not a new signing. And I think that's how we define flop of the right. year, to be clear. Uh, this is our now sixth award of the final third end of season awards. Jack, I'll let you take this because I'm, I'm sure you're not going to want to talk second after I I I disgrace one of your favorite players but go ahead i have a feeling i already know who you're gonna choose go ahead go ahead i i I went through a few in this i went for tiago as potentially one uh because you know he uh, in terms of goal contribution he has one in terms of thumbs up he has 900 Mm. uh but and then you have arthur for uh who and pianich i actually chose both of the ones involved in the little swap deal because pianich has been a bench warmer for Barcelona and Arthur has been a bench warmer for Juventus and uh, it, they really haven't been worth the massive price tag it seems but what I ultimately went for is Rion Brewster because I I don't think you can define like a flop more than that he was signed for 30 million by Sheffield United I think breaking their transfer record from Liverpool they broke their transfer record to sign him yeah, yeah, that's and right. he had zero goals and zero assists he didn't contribute and it's not like he had a lack of games he played 22 games not a lack of games he just didn't contribute and that's probably why Sheffield United got relegated they needed a goal scorer and that was his chance to prove it and he bombed it he 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 is a flop I it might be harsh to call him that because he's really young still and he could get better but just with you know 30 million breaking a transfer record for a recently promoted team that is just not good enough to not get any goal contributions right he had one he had more yellow cards than goal contributions impressive that yeah so i i feel like i had to choose him i know who you're gonna choose i I, i'm pretty sure i know who you're gonna choose but you you can get you can go ahead with with disgracing a player i love all right well i'll take great pride in that actually and that that player who gets my the final third end of season award award very clunky name Flop of the Year award, even clunkier, is Timo Werner. <laughs> I can't believe you've done him like that. Uh, it's really funny because for those of you who haven't been keeping up with the podcast, uh, Jack kept Timo Werner in his fantasy Premier League team. He, he was up in there until the end. Until yeah. the very, very end. Not only that, but throughout our predictions segments throughout the, the, the past couple of months, he's always backed Timo Werner to score for Chelsea. And I have always been the villain in those segments because I was always like, no, Timo Werner's Timo Werner's bad. And here it comes to a head. The final flop, the final thing that I can say to really cement my my dislike for Werner, because I'm not going to say hatred, I don't hate him, is the fact that he's my flop of the year. To spend nearly 50 million euros on a player only to score six league goals is bad. It's that's objectively bad. 
that's I, I can't even I can't even do the math, but that, that's definitely what eight million per goal per league goal. Yeah, just about. Yeah, it, that that's objectively bad. And even if he had fourteen goals plus assists in the league, that doesn't make up for the fact that he never got on hot form. And I think you know, like Jack mentioned, with his underrated player of the year being Werner, he had a pretty decent output season overall. But when you look at the forest and not the trees, so I guess backwards the metaphor, when you look at just the forest and not the trees, you kind of miss out some of the, the little details. And those little details include the games where he would just go silent, the long stretch of the games where he didn't really do that well, or the fact that he just never, ever seemed to be completely on form. There was never one moment in the season where i was like oh yeah that is a 50 million dollar player when he played i'd be like oh if that was an academy player who who they brought if that was like if that was mason mount doing that i'd be like that's impressive because they didn't spend 50 million dollars buying him from the bundesliga for him to do that and yet here he is and i think like i keep on saying if he was cheaper then he won't be a flop. But just the fact that he was that expensive and had that level of output to me makes him a flop. I, I'm not going to discredit his output. I'm going to discredit how much Chelsea bought him for and how that turned out in the end. I, I, I respect Timo Werner. I respect the German national team. I, I respect Chelsea to a certain extent. That's just how I see him. Jack, uh, do you hate me? Be honest. Do you hate me? No, that that that's fair enough. I mean, he he okay. did cost a lot, but all I'm saying is, next season's golden boot is going to him. He's gonna get it. Okay. He's gonna also if there there is one game where I think he was worth that fifty million, and it's uh, if you if you watch the Southampton versus uh, Chelsea, the first season where it ended three three because we had Kepa in goal, uh-huh. um, and couldn't defend. Uh, he had two goals, which were both really fantastic goals, to be fair, and an assist. That that was a game where it, you you were like, okay, he's worth fifty million. But then that was also the one week I transferred him out of my fantasy team. Yikes! That, I I only had him out of my fantasy team for one week, and it was that week. So just just for perspective, that, and that's why I kept him in because I felt guilty after that. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I, maybe I should have transferred him out, and he would have scored more. Maybe I should have. Maybe that's the key. Maybe if you keep him out next season in your FPL we'll, team. We'll test it. We'll test it next season. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I thought you were actually going to say the West Ham versus Chelsea game where he scored the oh, long Oh, that was goal. fantastic. That was fantastic, yeah. too. I, I, that, that's worth $70 million, Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey. Oh, I, I can't even say that we finished on top of you. Dang. Okay. Ah. Well, well, whatever, Timo Werner. Go. Here's your award. The trophy will be in the mail. <laughs> let's go on we've been talking about the Premier League I think our nominations have been very varied between the different top five leagues but our winners have been very Premier League heavy so I'm wondering if the next award which is signing of the year is going to get us off the Premier League uh hype train I suppose Jack who was your signing of the year so it's, it's transfer or I guess if you want it could it could have been a loan that happened either this summer, last summer's transfer window or the winter transfer window. Jack, who is your awardee? Well, if I if I had picked loans, I would have given one more honorable mention to Joe Willick. That yeah. that's that's one other player. I would not have Jesse Lingard, but bro. Not I, no Joe Will, Joe Willick's clear. 
I'm, oh, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the I, I picked three uh, to narrow it down to. I, I actually narrowed down my thoughts this time. Uh, and it was between uh, Luis Suarez, Emiliano Martinez, and Kevin Volland. So I, 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 intend, Ooh, I, I tried to go outside the prem a little bit. Uh, Kevin Volland, for, for context, you know, he went from Leverkusen to Monaco and went from being a pretty invisible striker to having an amazing season, having over 20 goal contributions for Monaco as they made it into the Champions League qualifying stages. Uh, Emiliano Martinez completely transformed Aston Villa's defense, almost set a record for most clean sheets by an Aston Villa keeper. But, uh, you know, Ben Chilwell had his say at the end of the season there to ruin that for him. But otherwise, he, he's been fantastic as well. But I went for Luis Suarez. And the reason why, he was shipped out of Barcelona at the end of last season because they said he was too old to contribute anymore. He was aging. He wasn't playing good enough. He just wasn't like top tier quality anymore. And so he uh, Atletico Madrid took a chance on him and he proved Barcelona wrong and yep. just put all of the faith in him into good use. 21 goals scored in the season. And he didn't even play every game, and he, he, and he was still fantastic through it. He helps them win a league title, and he proves all of his haters and doubters wrong while doing it. I mean, he, he is probably the most important piece to any team, I think, beyond maybe like Emiliano Martinez uh, for Aston Villa out of who sure. I chose. So I think that, that that's just been, that has, that, that's got to be signing of the year for me. Luis Suarez was fantastic. I hope he does it again next season just because it would be awesome to see Atletico win it two two years in a row, denying Real Madrid and Barcelona, but we'll we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I'm I'm also hoping he does that. He is getting up there in age. So yeah. and, and I talked about this in our uh Monday prediction news and prediction episode. Even if he doesn't have that same level of output, I think Atletico Madrid can transform him into more of a role player and he'd be perfect. I also chose Luis Suarez for my signing of the year. So, yeah, we are stepping away from the Premier League. My two other nominations were, however, uh, Premier League players. Ruben Diaz. City only conceded 32 goals. He was their rock. I think he... uh, I I don't have the stats for this, but just going off my gut feeling, I feel like he is the defender that started the most amount of games. I know... I know... Pep Guardiola has his pep roulette where he just throws <laughs> darts at a, a dartboard and the names are taped on. He just chooses whoever he, the dart lands on. But he's definitely been the rock. I had Mendy as well from Chelsea. All right. I, I appreciate it. I had him. I was considering him. But to get away from Premier League and bias, yeah. I, I chose not to pick him there. I mean, I mean, he, he was a goal, good goalkeeper compared to uh, the last guy you guys had. Uh, but Luis Still Suarez... <laughs> Luis Suarez is the man that I'm talking about, not Mendy, even though M- Mendy, I think, is a good goalkeeper, is a good transfer. But Suarez, I think, is better in terms of the signing and how much it added to the team, Atletico Madrid. He was only 6 million euros. 6 million euros to be a key part of a team is just good business all around. As you said, he scored 21 goals. And according to a stat that I found, if you look at his last 16 goals, they directly contributed, directly earned Atletico 21 points. If, wow. you take, if you take Suarez in and put like you and me in, 
<laughs> Atletico Madrid would be nowhere even near winning the title. That's how influential he was. Despite being 34 years of age, he is in the 85th percentile, 85th percentile of forwards in the top five leagues for XG. Like at 34 years old, to be in the top 15% of, of forwards in terms of expected goals, like you're expected to, to be better, I suppose, is the, is the greatest way to put it, than 85% of other forwards. That's huge. And he adds so much to this team. He is the crux to what makes Atletico Madrid work. Uh, Jack, did you see the, the video of him crying like on, on FaceTime to his family, like celebrating this win? Like, No, I haven't seen that one. I haven't. Oh, wow. Actually. It, it was after the, the Real uh, Valladolid game between them and Atletico Madrid. He was just, uh, all, all the players were like calling family because obviously like COVID, you can't have uh, a lot of people in the stands. Right. And he was, I, th- I believe he was FaceTiming uh, someone close to him, I, I pre- probably was his family, and he w- he was just crying. He, he, w- he was just so overwhelmed with emotion that he just couldn't contain himself. And honestly, like, you got to feel for him, and you got to feel like super, super happy for him because to, to be shut out of Barcelona, to be said that he's not good enough, and to prove that he is bigger than Barcelona, well, not bigger than Barcelona, but he is more than just barcelona's role player i mean that's huge and it was just it was just great to see and actually uh just to add something because i looked it up uh without he actually scored the goal that won them the title because without that you know they they would have been tied on points with real madrid without his goal they would have slipped just below real madrid and i think on on head to head they lose yeah i so that that would have been that that would have been you know he really he is the winner. He won the, the trophy for Atletico. Yeah. There, there were several other players in it, but he, it, I, I think it's indisputable that he is the one that won it. Yeah. Really. The, the Liga table goes Luis Suarez, Real Madrid, <laughs> Barcelona. That, that's how it goes. All right. Pretty much. Let's go into our final three awards. And these are, this is like, this is like best picture. This is like best actor yeah. at, at the Oscars. These are the three I think biggest awards. So if you're if you have stay tuned, you're in for a treat. Let's start off with the first of the three, which is breakout player of the year. Jack, how did we define breakout player of the year? Well, I believe we defined this as someone who is under 23. So basically like young player of the year. Yeah, basically. Uh, who's who's like, you know, relatively new to playing professionally, I, I think like it, they don't have to be in their first season or anything mm-hmm. like that. It, it, it the only requirement is that they're under twenty three, really. Yeah. And who did you choose? Uh, I mean, I I had a few picks in here. Uh, Ruben Diaz because he is twenty three. I picked oh, wow. him okay. as yeah. a potential in there. Uh, I picked Christian Romero, also twenty three, Atalanta on loan from Juventus. Uh, I had Phil Foden from Manchester City as well. Uh, I had Joel Felix, Atletico Madrid. Uh, I had. Dusan Vlahovic from Fiorentina. Good choice. Good choice. And I had Gio Reyna. All right. Because, all right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. But I, I ended up juggling between three of these, really. And I went for someone outside the Premier League. And I went for Dusan Vlahovic. Okay. I, that, that's who I went for. And I, you, if you listen to our most recent uh, deep dive episode on transfers, players that need a transfer, I spoke really highly of, of him because... 
he is a fantastic player for a relatively mediocre side. For Fiorentina, who are just mid-table in Serie A, not really in the title race, not really in the relegation race either, just comfortably mid-table, he scored 21 goals for them. 21. And, you know, he is probably one of the best younger players in the world that isn't Erling Holland or Kylian Mbappe. And, yeah. You know, just to just to stay away from be from going with the crowd, I went for him as well because I think he has a lot of potential. This is only his second season playing for Fiorentina, and he only had six goals last season. This is what this is exactly what you call a breakout season for a twenty one year old player. That's just fantastic. He he not only deserves a transfer move this summer, but he deserves to get the young player or breakout player of the year from me. All right. Big, big award for him. I, I think I think that's the, the, the biggest trophy he'll get. Even even if he wins Syria, oh. even if, if he wins the Champions League. Yeah, of course. Oh. Jack's the final third end of season award <laughs> breakout player of the year award. That That's bigger. The clunkiest name. Where did you say you wanted to see him transfer to uh, last deep dive? Oh, shoot. <laughs> where, where, did, where did I say? Uh, that That's a good question. Um, I, I, let, I, I think I said Milan. and I, Yeah, I, you said Milan. I said, probably said that Man I think City. I said Manchester City, yes. Spurs, or uh, RB Leipzig were, okay. uh, were, were the three destinations I said would be pretty good for him. All right, cool. And... Uh, just just uh, to recap for the, the people who may have not listened, do you think that he would get that move? And do you think he deserves it? I think he might, uh, maybe not to like City or Spurs, but maybe to RB Leipzig, because, you know, he, ha- he has had, he's 21 and had one really good season in, you know, maybe not the best league in Europe. So some clubs might be a little bit wary to to sign him in. And but, you know, I, I could I think he should and probably could if he forced it. OK. All right. All right. Uh, let's move on to my breakout uh, player of the year. I have had three nominations, as always. Uh, first nominee was Jude Bellingham of Borussia Dortmund. 28 games, one goal and three assists. You might not really you might scoff at that, but still. He is 17, and he's played some really crucial minutes for Dortmund. And before this season, I don't think people were really talking about Jude Bellingham. And now he's getting lots of interest, not only from other clubs in England and abroad, but also from the English national team. He is now the third youngest senior team uh, debut. Debutante, I believe is the word. Debutante. Debutante. Ooh, fancy. For England, I mean that is huge. I think the only other players that were younger than him were Wayne Rooney and Theo Walcott, and one of those is a legend, <laughs> and the other is Wayne Rooney. So yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> so to, to to get this attention at seventeen, like this is his breakout season. This has been huge, and he's only going to grow. I also stayed in the Bundesliga for my second nominee. I said Florian Wirtz of Bayer Leverkusen. Not really a name that gets talked a lot about. Uh, in American soccer forums and in even the English Premier League fans, but he's only 18 years old. He set the record for youngest goal scorer in the Bundesliga, which was later taken by Borussia Dortmund's Yusufu Makuku Makoko. Sure. But he's already such a good, great, actually, attacking midfielder, getting five goals and six assists in his first full season with Leverkusen. He's gotten looks from the German national team, which is huge given the fact that 
he isn't some kind of uh, Bayern superstar. He is a, a Bayer Leverkusen player, still only 18. And I think if this is his breakout season, I can't wait to see what his next season is. But my eventual winner, I went the Premier League. I'm sorry, but I couldn't oh. ignore Phil Foden of Manchester City. Okay, okay. Like, like you got to be honest. Like that is, I, I feel like that's a pretty decent pick because he was a key player for the title-winning English team. 16 goals in all competitions is absolutely nothing to sneeze at. At only 20, he's one of the best attacking options on a team with Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mahrez, and Gabriel Jesus. Like that is that is huge competition for him. And yet he sticks he he sticks out as a very very good option, but he also seems to fit right in for that attacking uh, attacking side. He's pass completion, his expected goals, his touches per 90, all above the 90th percentile in terms of attacking midfielders in the top five leagues. Like he is the real deal. And I think I think he would consider this his breakout season. And he was a very, very key piece for this Manchester City side. Jack, I'm sorry I went Premier League, but uh, you got to respect Phil Foden, right? Uh, He's not as good as Mason Mount. Just kidding. He he's he's on the same level as him. On the same level, I'm sorry. On the same level. How many trophies yeah. is Mason Mount gonna win this year? Zero. Uh, one. He's gonna win the Champions League. Zero. How how much is Phil Foden gonna win? Three. Hmm. Uh, interesting. No, no, interesting. No. He Phil Foden's only going to win two. Just just wait. Just wait. Yeah. I, I you know what? I I should have actually knocked Phil Foden down a spot and picked like Florian Versailles just based on that haircut. Have you have you seen Phil yeah, Foden? Yeah. Right? No. It's not. It's not it. It's definitely not it. What he has there. It's like it's like this weird bowl cut, but also a little bit shorter than you'd expect. Yeah, it, it it's a little strange. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, Phil. Not gonna lie. I, I think for one, like the the overall loser of the prediction segment next season should have to get the Phil Foden haircut. No, I'm not. I'm not, do, I'm not Is that too high stakes? I'm not doing that, bro. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> if the predictions game, whoever loses has to get the Phil Foden haircut the best manager in the season gets an even more coveted award than anything else that you can possibly give and that's the final thirds manager of the year award and I I guess I'll begin because my my first nominee not my winner is my favorite manager of all time you know David Moyes I I knew he was going to be on there for you yeah but he's only my nominee he's only you know not the actual winner he, okay. he took relegation candidates to Europa League. That's pretty impressive. Second nominee, uh, kind of out of the box, Steven Gerrard with Rangers. He got the invincible season with them. That's super impressive. They got like, I think, 102 points in the season. Very, very good. My winner was, Jack, someone that you know, I bet, Antonio Conte with Inter Milan. Ah, okay. Wherever he goes, victory follows. And Inter have won their first Scudetto in a decade thanks in large part to his experience. They were the runaway winners, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yes, they bowed out of the Champions League, so it made it easier for him. Yes, they probably spent too much money and are now suffering from it. But still, if you look at the training sessions, the team seems very together. If you look at their tactics, not once during in the league did he seem to really slip it up. He, he played well against rivals, both in the top four and, and cross-city rivals, Milan. I think he is a player who, or not player, a coach who 
deserves a lot more credit than he gets from maybe mainstream English and American media. And uh, for that, I chose him. Uh, there is news that he is on the verge of making a decision whether he not he leaves Inter Milan oh next boy. season. So uh, who knows? Maybe he'll he'll move on to greener pastures and he'll be my manager of the year next year at a completely different team. Did you did you you were a fan of Chelsea during the Conte era, right? Is that true? N- I, I actually didn't follow follow during that that time. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't there yet. Oh, but, uh, was that sorry? I was during the sorry okay. era. So that that shows you how big of a fan I am. I stick <laughs> I stuck around after that. So sure, sure. But uh, did did you do you know anything about Chelsea and uh, Conte's uh, reign there? Oh, of course I do. They I mean they they turned into an absolute machine with this three five two using wingbacks, you know, Marcos Alonso was an absolute beast. Uh, a while you, ago, huh? you know, yeah, it, it was a while ago because he was a beast. You know? <laughs> that, that's that, that tells you how long ago it was, but yeah, he turned a team that was terrible really into a very good team that won the premier league. And like you said, no matter where he goes, he creates a winning team. And that that's, you know, I, I, I have a feeling if Pirlo gets the ax at Juve, that he he might end up there if he if he's going to leave Inter Milan. I really I really hope not. I really hope he doesn't go to Juve. That, that's a that's a poison <laughs> because then he'll just help him win again. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, who is your manager of the year? Well, I I, I went for a uh, I went through a few, and the first one, I I couldn't justify like giving it to him, even though I'm so happy he's there. Okay, Thomas Tuchel with Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. He he was. He was only that he's only been there for half a season. If he does the same thing next season, he gets it in a heartbeat. But I, I can't get I can't give it to him yet because he's only been there for half a season. But, you know, honorable mention for him. I also had David Moyes getting an honorable Let's go. mention because, like you said, he did better than anyone expected with a squad that on paper does not look all that great. But he, he transformed them into something. And that, that was impressive. I, I gave my final honorable mention to Antonio Conte. Okay. I, I didn't pick him, but I, I know how good he is. He transformed Inter Milan into an absolute winning machine, uh, except if you count the Champions League. Uh, th- that, was, that was a bit of a problem, but <laughs> everywhere else, fantastic. But my ultimate manager of the year is someone who just announced their departure as we're recording this today on Tuesday. Okay, I know and who you're talking Christophe about. And that's Christophe Galtier I actually don't Lille. know that. <laughs> you don't? Oh, okay. Well, he is the manager at Lille. You know, Lille last season were in in fifth place or fourth place, sorry. And they, you know, they were okay. They were like 19 points behind mm-hmm. PSG. He took the squad and he just transformed them into a defensive machine this season. The least the 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 best defense in league on, not necessarily the best attack, but got the right. best out of the attackers he had. Some really young guys in Timothy Weah and uh and Jonathan David. And also really old guys like Barack Yilmaz <laughs> yeah, getting exactly. him firing. Like he he transformed a group of players that didn't look like they fit together on paper into a unit that wins and loses together. And they tra- and he transformed them into a, a good team that could win because of their defensive record. And, you know, he took he took them to a championship way better than anyone would have expected from Lille at the beginning of the season. And for that, I've got, I've got to give it to him a bit of a parting gift as he leaves Lille after, uh, I believe it's his fourth season in charge of Lille yeah. that he did this. So 
know, as he leaves, you can take a, a final third show, uh, <laughs> manager of the year, end of season award from me, uh, Christoph Gaultier. Let, let, let me know where you're going next and I, I can send it. I can send you a little trophy. Well, where do you think he's going to end up next? Because I, I can't really think of any major vacancies unless like Napoli. Napoli? Napoli. Oh, Napoli is a major vacancy. That that's that that was the first thing that came to mind for me when I saw that news. I was like, Napoli actually seems like a really good fit because they have a solid attack. Their defense needs work, though. And if he can implement the same kind of thing, turning, uh, a, you know, on paper, maybe not the greatest squad ever into something of a cohesive unit. Napoli have a shot of doing something fantastic next season. And that that's that's my first thinking, uh, you know, maybe Spurs. I'm not sure if uh, that's really what they're looking for, maybe. But they, they're probably going to want someone who can like create who's really good at creating a new project from scratch. But I think Napoli might be where he goes. All right. All right. That actually makes a lot of sense. Like you're saying it. I, I don't even have any other suggestions because I, I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if Pirlo or Zidane leave their current spots, I, I don't think he's at the current. No, like, I, I, I don't No, I don't think he's at Real Madrid. Yeah, level. yeah. Maybe. I mean, if he continues this current trajectory, winning, uh, winning titles with with teams like that, then maybe perhaps. But, you know, th- that's great. Let's go on to our final award, the 10th award of the final third end of season awards. And that is the player of the year. It's the moment everyone's been wa- waiting for. It is the best picture of the year at the Oscars. There are so many players to choose from choosing only three for my nominees was very, very difficult. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Jack first. Cause I, I want to hear his player of the year. In fact, Jack let's let, let's save our winner for the end. Like I, you give your nominees and I'll give my nominees. How about that? So all of my nominees, not revealing who the winner yes. is, right? Okay, just making sure I, you didn't want me to just give honorable mentions. So, I actually picked five because I picked one for each major European. That's very league. smart. I picked I picked the standout player from each league. Uh, so, uh, my nominee for the Premier League, I picked Harry Kane. You know the fir- the third striker or third player in Premier League history to win you know bo- both the Golden Boot and Playmaker Award for most assists in a single season after Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry. That's some pretty elite company right there. Uh, so Harry Kane is my no- is one of my nominees. Uh, from uh, League On, I have Kylian Mbappe. You know, top goal scorer, always a threat. Chain really is one of the reasons why PSG was kept in the title race up until the very end. Uh, from La Liga, I had Lionel Messi because, you know, he, he played pretty bad at the beginning of the season but then totally redeemed himself with the second half of the season might have gotten knocked out of the champions league but did fantastically overall uh and then from the bundesliga i have robert Lewandowski. you know beating the bundesliga goal record uh with 41 goals in a single season is impressive no matter who it is and even more impressive that it's a 32 year old doing it and then from syria i have my man luis muriel who gets my nomination from syria you know I can't I, I can't not pick him the best goal rate, the best goal contribution rate in all of Europe's top five leagues with a goal, every, a goal contribution every 45 minutes. That is fantastic. So I I had to nominate him. But those are my five nominees. All right. All right. Well, as you were saying that, I realized that's a really good idea to pick one for each. <laughs> league. So I decided okay. to copy that. I added the, the two that I was missing 
from the Premier League, I had Ruben Diaz. I already mentioned him, but he was a, a major piece in Manchester City's defense. Uh, if if the back four is is the Beatles, he is John Lennon. So th- that's how, how much I rate him, and that's how good he was, really, for the City team. Uh, with uh, the Bundesliga, shows Lewandowski, obviously, 41 goals. He broke the record. He carried Bayern for you know the past couple seasons, but uh, especially this season, uh, getting them the the septuple. He played a, a major sextuple, actually. Is that, is that yeah. six? Septuple was seven. Okay. So, yeah, sextuple. Sextuple. Was he he was a major part in in all of their winning this season and uh, in la liga luis suarez also talked about him got the 21 goals proved that he was still around proved that he can be a major part of a team and win titles uh in syria said uh, romelu lukaku obviously inter milan uh, one of their main uh, st- striking uh, options there he I, i'll always remember his his spat with Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the in the cup, <laughs> like that's the kind of guy that you want to be being a leader in in your team. Someone who even even if the, the de- discipline's not there, will live and die by standing up for what he believes and standing up for uh, the team as a whole. And with Liga, I, I, I don't really know who to choose. I, I guess I could have gone Mbappe to Barack Yilmaz, Jonathan, uh, David, David, or whatever. Uh, for Lille, Memphis is a pie even, but uh, Liga doesn't really max. I'll be honest, I, I didn't pick a, a Liga player. Wow, not rating Liga on. Wow, you were on the Liga on train at the very beginning with calling it the most exciting title race, and now you don't even care. Wow, no, why? How I, much people change? <laughs> hey, first of all, I still respect Liga. It's I don't think it's okay. a farmers league like other people say, but I I feel like there are at least. Um, two or three other leagues that have like standout players and with that jack that's fair enough. who is your player of the year out of those nominees well i picked pretend, wait, pretend you're, you're, you're you're like you're pulling out the oh, envelope okay hold on hold on yep okay we've got this okay All right. and uh the winner of the final third uh show player of the year from me is robert lewandowski yeah, I, I, yeah, round of applause for him. You know, I, like I said, he broke the Bundesliga goal scoring record in uh, getting 41 goals in 29 games. Imagine if he was fit for the entire season. He, pro- he probably would have hit 50. Like, uh, that, that's, that's no joke. And, you know, last, last episode, we said he probably deserves the Ballon d'Or. I think we both agreed on that. And that, and, you know, <laughs> if, if he deserves the Ballon d'Or, he's the player of the year, in my opinion. And, you know, he it's not just the goals that he provides, but you can tell that the team is different without him in it. When he was out with an ankle injury against PSG, you know, they just weren't the same. And, you know, I, I think that Robert Lewandowski fully deserves to be called this season's player of the year. All right. All right. Congratulations to Robert Lewandowski for winning Jack's side of the player of the year award. Oh, so does that mean we have a difference. Yeah, Ooh. maybe. So let me pull out my envelope. And uh, the winner of the final third end of season award, player of the year award, goes to Robert Lewandowski. Uh, oh, actually, yeah. it's La La Land. Oh, wait, no, it's Moonlight. Uh, no, 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 uh, no. No, <laughs> it, 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 it's Robert Lewandowski. It's, it's undeniable 
his greatness at this point. He's going to go down as one of the best number nines in the game, period. Uh, as Jack said, you know, 41 goals, 29 games is insane. He got the the golden boot for Europe Europe's top five leagues, despite the Bundesliga playing four less games than most other leagues. Most other leagues play 38. They only play 34. And he didn't even play that much. He only played 29 games and yet outscored the likes of Messi, of Ronaldo, of all the Premier League, Harry Kane. You know, he did like objectively better. You can call the Bundesliga Farmers League all you want. You can say that he scores tap-ins all you want. It's undeniable how much he adds not only to Bayern, but how much he elevates his individual greatness every time he steps onto the field. And that's why he is my player of the year. That's why he is our, the final third's unanimous player of the year. That's, that's like, not to overhype ourselves too much, but that's pretty like <laughs> impressive that he is, he is that unanimous to us. Yeah. There's only there's only two unanimous awards we gave, and uh, it was most exciting title race for Lee Gunn and uh, player of the year for Robert Lewandowski. So congratulations, Robert. You're in the same company as an entire league. Wow. Or maybe wow. an entire league is in the same company of Robert Lewandowski. I, True. I, I, I don't know. That's probably a more accurate yeah, exactly. comparison. Exactly. Well, Jack, with that, why don't we go through our 10 award winners real quick, starting from the very beginning. I'll have I'll have you go first and do the honors of going over the final third award winners on Jack's side. All right. So for most underrated player, I had controversially, according to AJ, apparently, mm -hmm. Timo Werner from Chelsea. Most exciting title race, I gave it to League On. Uh, for most disappointing team, I said Arsenal. For most impressive team, I went with Manchester City. For goal of the season, I went with Ferran Torres versus Newcastle. For flop of the season, I went for Rion Brewster from Sheffield United. For signing of the year, I went for Luis Suarez. For breakout player of the year, I went with Dusan Vlahovic from Fiorentina. Uh, for manager of the year, I went with Christophe Galtier from Lille. And for player of the year, I went with the GOAT, Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. All right, congratulations. Trophies will be in the mail. Uh, my 10 award winners, most underrated player of the year, Kaylor Navas. Most exciting title race of the year, Liga. Most disappointing team, Tottenham Hotspur. Most impressive team, West Ham United. Goal of the season, Allison versus West Brom. Flop of the year, Timo Werner of Chelsea. Signing of the year, we actually did agree with this too, Luis Suarez of Atletico oh, Madrid. Right, I forgot. <laughs> uh, breakout player of the year, Phil Foden of Man City. M manager of the year, Antonio Conte of Inter Milan. And player of the year, the GOAT, Robert Lewandowski of Bayern Munich. Jack, for the first annual European end of season awards, how do you feel? Do you think that uh, this season was a success? Well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on who you support, doesn't it? I mean, if you're Sheffield United, no. How about for a neutral? How about for a neutral? For fan? a neutral? Oh, for a neutral, it's a it, it's a it's a win. It's a tr it's a treble, at, mm. at least. Uh, it, it has to be. It, this this is an exciting season. Uh, capped off with an exciting awards ceremony you know the most prestigious of course the most prestigious yes 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 indeed thank you all for listening that is the end of this episode's or this week's deep dive for the final third jack do you have anything to say to our listeners 
Yeah, as always, make sure to follow our Twitter and Instagram. If you disagree or agree with some of these picks, make sure to tweet at us and tell us how wrong or how right we were. Uh, let us know if we forgot your favorite player and you're just so mad, or let us know if we forgot a rival team's player that you want to call a flop. Uh, and, you know, interact with us on there. We're having a great time tweeting a lot more because no more college to worry about for now, at least. Uh, and yeah, make sure to follow us on there and get interacting. Yeah. But if you're going to tweet at us, uh, we, we prefer praise and people telling us how prefer- right we are. So, yes. so, so keep that in mind. Uh, as always, give us a follow and a rating wherever you listen to us on, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. Uh, word of mouth always helps. So tell a friend if you like the podcast. Uh, tell your dad even. I'm sure he would love to hear me talk about Timo Werner being a flop. Uh, you mean underrated? Underrated. Yeah. Eh, yeah. The two sides of the coin, oh, different <laughs> strokes for different folks, whatever, whatever, whatever. That is it for the final third. We will see you next Monday for the news and prediction episode where we talk about the Champions League that have happened this weekend. And we also will see you same time, same place for next week's deep dive episode. See ya. Bye for now.